eight, I'll be here teaching on the life of Christ. We're going to be be talking about. Don't you, isn't that going to be fun? The life of Christ. That'd be wonderful. Life of Jesus. We're going to pick up with him at his water baptism, and go all the way through to uh, his being raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father. So we'll just go on that however long it takes. Seven to eight Wednesday nights. And if you can come, come. All right, Galatians, the fifth chapter and the 19th verse. Works of the flesh. And, you know, you could read on. We've covered those, you know, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. Sorcery. Can you believe that there's people in the land that worship the devil? Did you know there's people in the land that worship the devil? you know that? It's unbelievable. I wouldn't bow my knee to that sucker for anything, would you? I do not like the devil. Unbelievable. You study the Bible back in the Old Testament. And uh, all kinds of sorcery and all kinds of witchcraft and unbelievable. I don't know what it is about people that they don't love God. I've always loved the Lord. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions. You know, there's some people only serve the Lord out of selfish ambition. And they're not really serving the Lord. They're just hooked up with the local church so they can let whatever talent it is that God's given them shine. But they don't really love the Lord. They just do what they do out of selfish ambition. I've even watched people over the many years, many years doing this, 25 years plus, and I've seen worship people come and they'll sing. The only reason they're there is to sing. And then after, I've, I've even had them come in and they'll sing and once they get done, they'll, they'll leave, don't even stay for the service, for the teaching of the Word. Do you believe that? I've had others, they'll, they'll sing, and they'll just sit there and tolerate the Word. Also, they can sing. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? And, it, and, and, and if you told them they couldn't, they couldn't be on the worship team anymore... Guess what had happened? You never see him again. Selfish ambition. Dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness. Drunkenness.
I have no use for alcohol. And I personally have no use for social drinking. I've watched it destroy too many people. I watch it like to destroy my family, my personal family. It sent my dad to an early grave. Think about that. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking a little drink. Well, you look at the Bible. I tell you what, ministers have no business drinking. Beer, wine, any of it. And you can get in there and make an argument, you know, well, you know, a little social drinking and, and drunkenness is the sin. But I tell you, I can go into the Bible and make an argument that we're not supposed to have anything to do with alcohol. And I know that in Germany they drink beer like we drink soda and they, in Italy they drink wine like we drink soda so I understand all that. But I tell you what, you read the Bible and it talks about, you know, the ills of alcohol. And one guy told me he was, he was drunk till he got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. He said it took him one day to climb in a bottle and 25 years to climb out. I'll never condone alcohol from this pulpit. And sure enough, preachers have no business drinking. You know, in a lot of churches, I'd get thrown out right there for that, what I just said right there. There was one church in St. Louis some years ago, they'd... Just like you'd go get coffee before service, they put beer out there. Can you imagine that? You still love me, or this is all spirit-led? I, 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 I was just going to actually just zip through these and just get on with. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Sometimes we just need to wait on the Holy Ghost and let him say what he wants to say. Thank you for the encouragement. I love you, brother. Revelries and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and the like, there's more in the list that he could have put in that he didn't, that he could have. He put it in other places. The Apostle Paul wrote these other things in other places in the, his other epistles. But then the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. That's the one we're going to get at today, self-control. Against such there is no law. By the way, there is such a holiness in this place. Right now, I mean... Sobering, isn't it? I don't know if you can sense it, but it's like on a different level. It, <clears throat> Jesus is looking for us to produce fruit. Does anybody remember what the number one fruit is? Souls. And then the fruit of the souls, number one. And you're right. And then the fruit of the Spirit. And remember that uh, to the degree 
the fruit of the Spirit develops in our lives to that degree will overcome the works of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And, and, and it's interesting, and I, I haven't made this statement yet, but I want to, that you, you, like anything with the Lord, it has to be yielded to. Uh, let me put it this way. And we'll really see this next week when we talk about the last fruit of self-control. But I want to mention it now. I'll say it again next week. That you can have the fruit of the Spirit in full, I mean, full abundance in your life. But you still have to yield to it. And you yield to it by faith. Did you hear what I just said? Uh, the, the, the fruit of self-control. You, we'll talk about next week. You can have that in full bloom in your life. But still, when you come up on that situation where you've got to remember, you still have flesh to deal with. You still have the old man to deal with. You, know, the old, you understand what I'm saying? And you can have the fruit of the Spirit in full bloom. You still got that old man, the flesh that, that, that Paul talked about it. He said, I put under the old man. I put on the new. Does anybody remember that? And you come up on that situation and you can have the fruit of any of these fruit in full manifestation. But yet when you come to that situation where do I do what God wants me to do or do I do what the devil and the flesh wants to, wants to do? You still have to yield to that, that fruit. Did you get that? Did you get what I just said? And it takes faith. I think one of the most outstanding things that I've gotten out of this study is those who cultivate the fruit of the Spirit will never stumble and will never cause anyone else to stumble. So let's talk about gentleness. As you read the different versions of the Bible, English versions, sometimes it's translated, for the most part, it's translated gentleness. It's also translated meekness. And it, it ultimately it means, when you get right down to it, humility. So let's talk about this. Gentleness, <clears throat> meekness, humility. Gentleness, you understand, it, it can be translated any of those three ways. Gentleness, meekness, and humility. I guess this is the one fruit. I mean, they're all important, but I've noticed each of the different fruit. Uh, if, you'll, if you'll have that fruit in abundance, it'll, it causes different things to happen in your life. This is the one fruit that, that ultimately, if, if it's yielded to, causes promotion. How many of you want to be promoted? <laughs> By God. Gentleness, meekness, humility. Let's, let me make some observations about gentleness. Let's, let's, let's look at some observations about gentleness. Gentleness. Second Timothy 2, verses 23 to 25. Let's read here. Second Timothy 2, verse 23. said, Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle. And gentle notice to all. Able to teach. He's talking about pastors here. He's writing to Timothy the pastor. But it applies to all of us. 
in that we ought, how many of you know we ought to avoid foolish and ignorant disputes? All they're going to do is generate strife. Serving the Lord must not quarrel or strive. So you may not be a preacher, but you're a servant of the Lord. You mustn't quarrel. See, there you have it right there. Have you ever come up with somebody that they're, they're, they're combative? Have you ever run into a combative person? And you can have this, you can have this fruit in full abundance, but they, they tell you something, they tell you off, they do whatever. And how many of you know your flesh wants to just chew right back into them? But you have to yield to this fruit gentleness and avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Refuse to quarrel. Be gentle to all. Able to teach. Patient. It's interesting as you read these different lists how these fruit all intertwine with one another. Patient. In humility. Correcting those who are in opposition. Um, Notice there's humility. As I read through these three verses, I notice a gentle person doesn't quarrel, argue, as we said, doesn't get in strife, not not hot-tempered, not hot-tempered. Did you notice one of the works of the flesh is an outburst of wrath? But this fruit is not hot-tempered. See, this fruit, if you have it to full and you yield to it, it will keep you from blowing your stack, blowing your lid. Has anybody ever blown their stack or, you know... This fruit right here will keep you from doing that. This person with this fruit will avoid those foolish and ignorant disputes. They'll be gentle to all, won't show partiality, is patient with others, humble. We'll say more about humility as we go. Look at Titus chapter 3. couple of verses here just talking about gentleness. I'm just making some observations on this fruit of gentleness. It also means meekness, humility. Let's just look at gentleness here. Some observations. Titus chapter 3. Again, Paul writing to this pastor named Titus. Verse 1. Remind them, Titus 3, 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. So he's telling this pastor what to tell his church. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. To obey, to be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. To be peaceable. Well, there's that fruit of peace. Gentle, showing all humility to all men. See, gentleness and humility, it's, it, those, that fruit of gentleness, it, it is humility. Showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were, once also, were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. What do we find about a gentle person? They're subject to authority. They're ready for every good work. They speak evil of no one. Not a quarreler or an arguer. And again, I want to say this is the fruit that will keep you from being an arguer and a quarreler and a, and a fighter and a fusser. Shows humility to all is not hateful. Let's go to James, the third chapter in the 16th verse. 
Just some more observations on gentleness. James 3.16 says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, and the King James says, Where envy and strife exist. You know, strife's an ugly thing. It'll tear, it'll tear something up quicker than anything else. You get a bunch of people squabbling and going on. When you get people squabbling and going on, now there's one thing for sure. There's, this fruit's not in manifestation, that's for sure. For where envy and self, see self-seeking or strife exist, and really strife, it comes from self-seeking, selfishness, you know, wanting my way all the time. You don't get your way, then rah, 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 you know. And you got strife. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are, are there. The wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, see, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So from reading these two verses, what, do we, what can we say about gentleness? It's not envious and self-seeking. It, there's no strife involved. Willing to yield. It's merciful. Without partiality. How many of you know we ought to treat all people equally, shouldn't we? Now the Bible says give honor to where honors due. I understand that. But I, I, over the many years of pastoring this church, you know, I've watched different times just over a long space of time where I... I, I I know in one situation I was coming down the hall or something and there was a particular person just treated somebody like absolute dirt. And I walked up and they just changed their tune and so nice to me. I said, how come you're being nice to me but you're not being nice to them? I don't think I saw that person around much after that. You know, we ought to call people once in a while on some things. Just lovingly. How come you're treating me nice, but you're treating the other person like dirt? Come on now. This is something that's bothered me since the time I was a, young, a youngster. It, it, we, I mean, God is no respecter of persons. We ought to treat everybody with, with respect and dignity, right? You know, I mean, I, I've watched pastors over the years. God love them. If somebody in the church had a lot of money, they'd treat them one way. And somebody didn't have a lot of money, they'd treat them another way. That's not a good deal, is it? I know one situation that the, the top givers in the church had the best parking spots out in the front. Isn't that something? That, that's wrong. It's just read the book of James. He'll he'll. You think I'm being tough here? You ought to read the book of James. <laughs> when he gets done with you, you'll <laughs> wow about being partial and you know because that's what was happening. They somebody come in that had a lot of money. They'd give them a good seat and then or whatever, and then the poor man they'd throw him off in the corner. These things should not ought to be, should they? <clears throat> Well, anyway, not hypocr hypocritical. These fruit, this fruit of gentleness, you won't be hypocritical if you have it.
Just some observations. Um, I want to say this. Being gentle does not imply that you're weak. Being gentle does not apply that you're weak. I know I was watching some things on John Wayne some years ago, or not too long ago, when he won the Academy Award for uh, Rooster Cogburn, you know where he wore the eye patch? True Grit, he got up there to receive that. He gave a real short, most humble speech. He did say, if I had known that I was going to win this Academy Award for playing Rooster Cogburn, I'd have put the patch on many years earlier. (laughs) But you talk about a gentle, humble man. And by the way, they didn't have to play the music over him to get him off the stage, you know, when they go too long. You ever see some of them, they'll just go talk on and on and on and on, you know, when they're thanking everybody, and, and it's good to thank people, but, you know, then they have to play the music to get them off the stage. Now, John Wayne, see, he could have talked on and on and on, and they wouldn't have musicked him off. There's some people you don't music off, and he's one of them. But see, humility, short speech. Now, gentle But I tell you what, I wouldn't want to get in a fight with him, would you? So gentle doesn't mean you're weak. Jesus said, be wise as serpents and harmless as, or gentle as doves. So you can be gentle as a dove and be wise as a serpent, all at the same time. You see, let me say this if you're taking notes. Gentleness and boldness can and should coexist. Gentleness and boldness can and should coexist. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. The Bible says come boldly to the throne of grace. You see, it's not an either-or proposition. You don't, some people think, well, if I'm gentle, then I'm, I can't be bold. Or if I'm bold, I can't be gentle. It's not, a, it's not an either-or. Uh, we can be both. Is that right? We should be bold as a lion. You know, you can stand up here and cry under the pot. Now, let me teach you something about the anointing. You can stand up here under the anointing and just weep and cry. And then in a moment's time, the power of God can come on you in a different way. And I can be bold as a lion. Can't we be both? Absolutely. Now, let me say this. Gentleness and obnoxiousness cannot coexist. Gentleness and obnoxiousness cannot coexist. There's a difference between being bold in the Lord and obnoxious. Gentleness implies tenderness. Look at Ephesians 4.32. Let's just go as quickly as we can here. It says, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another. What's that next word? Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So see, this this gentleness, this fruit of gentleness, it implies tenderness, tenderheartedness, a kindness, a forgiveness. Look at 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Finally, all of you be of one mind, 
That's a good thing. Having compassion for one another, that's a good thing. Love as brothers, that's a good thing. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. See, someone that has this fruit of, of gentleness, it, 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 they're going to be tender-hearted, they're going to be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So we shouldn't be returning evil for evil, should we? Reviling for reviling. But again, when somebody does us evil, what does your flesh want to do? I mean, your flesh wants to get them back. We're going to get, to, we're going to get them back. But you've got this fruit of gentleness. It has to be what? Yielded to, doesn't it? And it takes faith. So just some, just some observations. Don't you think these were some good observations? I think they were. And then, you know, we're looking at gentleness, but it's interesting, as I said earlier, the King James Version translates this gentleness as meekness. And, 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 and again, I want to say this, meek is not weak. Let's say that together. Say meek is not weak. Meek is not weak. Let's say it again. Meek is, meek is not weak. Doesn't mean that you're weak to be meek. It's interesting, if you look at Numbers 12, verse 3, in the Amplified Classic Version, it'll be on the screen, Numbers 12, 3, about Moses. Has anybody ever heard of Moses? The Bible says, look at this, it says, Now the man Moses was very what? Was very meek. What does that mean? He was gentle, see, gentle, kind, and humble. He had this fruit in full manifestation, didn't he? And he was, he was very meek, Above all the men on the face of the earth. Can you see why God used him? Now as you study into that word meek. Where you see gentleness or meekness. It's the same thing. It, it means. Listen if you're taking notes write this down. It means to be teachable. If you have this fruit you're going to be teachable. Have you ever met a know-it-all? They know everything about everything. They got it all figured out. They got it all figured out. They know everything about everything. Have it all figured out. See, a person that has this fruit manifestation, they're teachable. They're teachable. Always, folks, always remain teachable. None of us know it all. None of us have it all figured out. And I'm right at the top of the list. I tell you what, one of my pet peeves is I just I, I, I struggle being around people that know it all, have it all figured out. Because I know they don't. But they can't see it. And it's hard to get them to see it. But they got you can't tell them anything about anything. They got it all figured out. They got it all figured out. I learned a long time ago I don't have it all figured out. Can't tell them nothing about anything. The Bible says a meek and a quiet spirit in the sight of God is a great price. So this fruit we're talking about, it's meek, it's, it's meekness. It means, it means teachable, trainable. And, and then finally, I want to say some things about humility. Because at the core of it, this, this fruit is, it means humility. It's used of persons who put themselves after others in importance. 
It sees other people and what they need is more important than yourself. This fruit, it it, it implies, it's not proud or haughty. It's considerate of others, as we said. This fruit that we're talking about is just the polar opposite of pride. Polar opposite of pride. Humility. Polar opposite. Let, Let me read you some things about pride. Arrogant and conceited. Self-centered. Talk about yourself all the time. Have you ever been around somebody? They, they talk about themselves all the time. I, 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 Diane has met some people. I have too. I'm thinking about a couple of them over the years. Where, where all they do is talk about themselves. And then Diane was going through a tough time. And when she get together with that person. Guess what that person. And that person knew Diane was going through a tough time. Guess what that person did. All they did the whole time was what? Talk about themselves. Well that person was acting just like the devil. The devil had an eye problem didn't he? And I don't mean a physical eye. I, 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 will, I will be like the most high. I will, isn't that right? How many of you know the devil did not have this fruit of meekness, did he? No. Lucifer who became Satan did not. Still doesn't. This pride has an excessively high view of oneself. Holier than thou attitude. Smarter than thou. Not teachable, as we said. Not trainable. Watch this. Refuses correction. My gosh, you're not going to tell me nothing. Well, somebody that has that attitude doesn't have this fruit. Won't admit they're wrong. Have you ever found somebody that won't admit they're wrong? They refuse to admit it? Well, they don't have this fruit, do they, of meekness. It's pride. Refuse to ask for help. Refuse to change or don't think they need to change. They always know what everybody else should be doing while their life lay in shambles. Never met anybody like that. And one of the dangers of pride is you can have it and not know it. See, why am I going over pride? Because it's the polar opposite of what? Of of humility. You know, Jesus is our example of humility. He entered Jerusalem. How many of you know he didn't enter Jerusalem on a white stallion, did he? He entered Jerusalem on a donkey. And why? To show humility. He washed the disciples' feet. Now, Jesus, when he comes back the next time, coming on, on his white horse. But when he came in there the first time on a donkey, I appreciate that, don't you? He washed the disciples' feet, the very feet he created, he washed And the Bible says, if you want to turn there, Philippians 2, verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, Philippians 2, 7. He made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a bondservant. Verse 8. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. See, we're supposed to think like Jesus. He humbled himself, didn't he? He wasn't seeking to make a reputation for himself. 
And then the thing about this gift here, this, this gift, this fruit, this fruit, verse 9, God has also highly what? Exalted him. Tell you what, if you want to go up in the kingdom of God, develop this fruit in your life of humility. Uh, real quickly, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go through this a little quicker so I don't keep you here so long, but look at Luke 14. Jesus gives a, a parable here, verse 7, Luke 14, 7. And he noted how people that came to this, this gathering chose the best places to sit. And in verse 8, he said to his disciples, speaking to you and me, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, don't sit down in the best place, lest someone more honorable than you be invited. But he's who, And he who invited you and him come to say to you, give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be. So don't always seek the best seat or the best this or the best that. Or you know what I'm talking about? Take the lowly path. Take the, take the humble path. Let God exalt you, and he will. If you'll humble your, yourself, if you'll humble yourself, God will exalt you. Look at 1 Peter 5, verses 5 and 6. He says, likewise, you younger people submit to the elders. I tell you what, sometimes you see a young whippersnapper, and they've got it all figured out, don't they? Not, not all young whippersnappers, but have you ever run into some young whippersnappers? They got it all figured out. I've had people come through this church over the years, and they, they, they hadn't built anything for the Lord. They hadn't ever started a church. They never pastored a church. They didn't build nothing for the Lord. They hadn't even built a chicken coop. But they're going to tell me and Diane how to run everything on their, second, or on their first and second visit here. Now, I'm not going to listen to those people. Now, you people who have come here regularly for years, I will listen to you. If you have a suggestion, let me know. But do you think I ought to listen to somebody come once or twice and they got everything all figured out? You need to do this, that, and the other. Do you think that's wise? No. I've had a few of those over the years. Anyway... Be submissive to one another and be clothed. Look at this, 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Be clothed with what? What should we wear? Spiritual clothes with what? God, what does he do to the proud? He resists them, but what does he do to the humble? He gives. That's good, isn't it? And then he says, you humble yourself. You do it under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Promotion, isn't it? And he'll do it in due time. 
And, and it's interesting, the Bible says, we won't turn to the verse, but in the book of Romans, it says not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. We should think highly of ourselves, shouldn't we? But not more highly than we ought to. I found a definition for humility. I, I really thought it was good. I'm going to read it to you here. The quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. The quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. You know there's some people impressed with themselves. I'm thinking of a certain lady back years ago that attended here. Her and her husband, I love them. They're good people and they love me. But I'm thinking of her. And, 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 and I mean, now this woman, a lot of good qualities. But she thought that, that cause she, she told me one time, she thought the sun rose and set on her. And she said, God doesn't make a move unless he consults me first, Pastor Terry. <laughs> Now, she loved the Lord, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, but she said, the Lord doesn't make a move unless he talks to me. And I was thinking, thinking, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. Now, she was thinking too highly of herself, wasn't she? Now, she loved the Lord. She sure did, but she was thinking too highly of herself. But now, see, while I'm picking on her, I'll pick on myself. I have a problem. Now, I used to have this problem years ago until I got, you know, I didn't think that God wouldn't make a move without me, but I, I thought when I was younger, I was haughty, and I thought more highly of myself than I ought. But you know what I did, because I'm, I'm kind of a ditch person. My personality runs in ditches. And so what I did is when I came out of that prideful ditch guess what ditch I went in I didn't get in the middle of the road I went over to the I got over into this ditch where I'm and you get an inferiority complex I'm just so no good I'm just so I don't count I don't mount to anything you got to watch that because that ditch is just as bad as the other one just in different ways And uh, it's thinking too lowly of yourself. That you don't matter or count for anything. It's an inferiority complex. And uh, I've had to deal with that in my life. I've had, to, I've had to deal with an inferiority complex. Some people have to deal with a pride complex, you know. But I've had to deal with an inferiority. Some, I've, I've had to fight it. It's an ugly thing. When you think you don't matter, when you think... That uh, God doesn't really need you for anything. That you don't count. It's a self-pity thing. The flesh loves self-pity. Flesh loves a self-pity party. Is that right? Come on, I'm helping some people now. Let me preach on here just a little bit. And you know what? Your flesh loves to wallow in it. loves me nobody cares about me come on now should I keep preaching inferiority complex and it's just as bad as the, as the other as the, the prideful thing and you know what I had uh, 
I had the Lord speak to me through my mother on this on several occasions, and I'll never forget what she said. She looked me right in the eye many times when I was wallowing, and she said, she said, uh, you are no better than anybody else, but you're just as good. That's the truth. And, and, and I wasn't getting it, so the Lord sent a prophet to me. I'm talking a real, a real, a real one. Not a, most, how many of you know most of these guys are this, this flaky bunch of prophet this, prophet that? I'd rather listen to a mule braying a tin barn at midnight like Brother Hagin. You say than a lot of these people calling themselves prophets. But there's some real ones out there. There really are. And this was one of them. And by the Holy Ghost dealt with me on this. Talked to me. And he, he, he called, the Holy Ghost called it a hang up. You know, you can get hang, hung up on certain things. You can get hung up on inferiority. Did you know that? And did you know when you get hung up on inferiority, listen to me, you can't really progress in the kingdom of God. You can't really progress at all. Because everything you do, the thought comes, there's no reason to be doing this because it's not really going to make any difference anyway. It's a terrible thing. It's a horrible thing. And, and the Holy Ghost called it a hang-up. Now you would think that that would have just... Now, let me teach you something here. You'd th think that that'd just correct me when you hear something from the Holy Ghost. It'd just correct me. I mean, I wouldn't listen. I was, my mother couldn't get it through to me as much as I love her. So now the Holy Ghost is telling me, and now I'm 55 years old and I still deal with it. Well, I'm in good company. Didn't the Lord appear to Solomon twice? Oh, if God just appeared to me, boy, I tell you what, I'd never head straighten me right out. I, 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 I. Well, God appeared to Solomon twice, warned him about things he shouldn't do, and Solomon still goofed up, didn't he? What am I trying to tell you? Even if God, he's given us a whole book here, hasn't he? Even if God talks to you, even if he appears to you, even if he speaks to you through a real for real prophet back years ago when I was much younger, You, just because God tells you something, you still have to rise up in faith and stand for it. And it's a fight. And it's a fight of faith. Some people have to fight to not be prideful. Some people have to fight not to have an inferiority complex. But it's a fight in either way. And you've got to stand in the middle of the road and stand on the word of God and not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But don't think too lowly of yourself either. Because you're no better than anybody else, but you're just as good. My mother's given me a lot of good sermon material. We need to develop this fruit because God hates a proud look. And pride goes before what? Destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And let me close by saying this. So many start out humble and they end up in pride. Be careful. Everybody who's out there listening to me that's humble... The Bible is full. Say full. It's full of people that started out humble, walking humbly before God. And they, because of that humility, blessing does come. But then they get the big head.
and they get over in pride and it costs them. One I'm thinking of is King Saul. Have you ever heard about King Saul? The Bible says when he was small in his own eyes, the hand of God came on him and rose him up and made him king. You can think of so many. I'm thinking about King Uzziah, how when he was a young boy, he sought the Lord and, and he sought God as he grew and the hand of God came on him and God blessed him and he was marvelously blessed on every side until he was strong. But when he was strong, the Bible says his heart was lifted up to destruction. And then he wanted to be something that he wasn't. He was called to be a king, but he wanted to be a priest. And he went in and he started burning incense in the temple where he shouldn't have been. And God, in his great mercy, sent the valiant priests over there to deal with him. Don't ever be upset when God sends a man of God or a woman of God past you to straighten you out. And they sent, God sent the valiant men over to King Uzziah. And, and, and King Uzziah, you're a king. You're not the priest. Don't go in there. You can't go in there to the temple and burn incense. It's not for you to do. And guess what? Uzziah had a chance right there to repent, didn't he? The Bible says he became angry. He got mad. You know, watch the flesh. If you're a king, you're going to want to be a priest. If you're a priest, you're going to want to be a king. If you're a prophet, you're going to want to be a pastor. If you're a pastor, you're going to want to be a prophet. If you're, a, if you're whatever, just be whatever God's called you to be and be happy with it. And he got angry. And so God had to humble him. The Bible says leprosy came on him. And he was cut off from the house of God. And you know what? He never did repent. You know how I know he never did repent? Because if he'd have repented, God would have restored him. I'm convinced of it. You know, some people can get so obstinate that they're just, they won't admit they're wrong. But the Bible's full of people that were humble. They started out humble. You can see it in the time that we live. Just look. You can see, you, you can watch, you can see ministers that started out so humble. And God's hand came on them and rose them up. And they get prideful. And it costs them. And a lot of people get hurt. One person who never did get prideful is Billy Graham. And there's others, but I'm just thinking of him. Let me say this. Humble yourself or God will have to humble you. And you don't want no part of that. He humbled many in the Bible that wouldn't, that got over in pride. God's a good God, isn't he? Second Chronicles 7, and we're done. I hope you got something out of this. This fruit, what does it do? If you'll yield to it, it will cause you. What, is, what, what happens? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll what? Exalt you in due season, so due time. So this fruit, we need it for promotion. But let me, let, me, let me say this, and we'll close. This fruit of gentleness or meekness or humility, whatever you want to call it, needs to come to the forefront among Christians in the United States for this nation to survive. I'm going to say it again. This fruit of gentleness, meekness, humility, needs to come to the forefront among Christians. I didn't say all Christians, but a lot of them. In the United States for it to 
survive. And let me give you the scripture, 2 Chronicles 7.14 in the King James, and then this is the last one, then we're done. 2 Chronicles 7.14, King James. If my people, you're familiar with this, which are called by my name shall what? Humble themselves. Have we taught a whole message on this, basically? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Again, this is not talking about sinners doing it. This is God's people. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will. It's all about humility, isn't it? Absolutely. The fruit of gentleness needs to come to the forefront among Christians in the United States for it to survive. I was preaching a message on national survival here today. And you didn't even realize it till the very end. I don't mean Karen. I mean all of us, huh? It's important, isn't it? It is, isn't it? This nation... This is just coming out of my heart now. But this nation's a good nation and all of that. But every time I say that, I remember the friends of, uh, words of my friend, Jimmy Reardon. And I said, Jim, I said, he always called me Terror. I called him Jim. I said, Jim, this is a great nation. He said, Terror, how can any nation be great that kills as many babies as we kill? Holy Ghost won't let me forget about those little babies. And uh, they get killed every day, murdered. This nation has become very haughty and very proud in many ways. I'd still rather live here than anywhere else. But unless we see some humbling, unless we see some humbling, boy, this goes right along with that prophecy that I had a couple of weeks ago about this nation. Unless we see some humbling, and quick, the judgment of God's going to visit this nation. <clears throat> and what's what's it, what's it? See, some people have call, different men of God have seen, and they they call it blessing, they call it revival, but it's judgment. But what will judgment do? It will bring revival. It'll bring repentance, revival, and blessing. See, but this nation has become prideful and haughty, and it needs to be. be there needs to be some humbling going on. This message here today, if we just yield to it, I mean, the Christians in the land, it'd fix a lot of things, wouldn't it? Let's stand and pray for the nation. And we'll, we'll be dismissed after that. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We bless you. We're a group here that loves you with all of our hearts. We love your presence. We want you. We want you in our midst. And you've been in our midst today. And we're so grateful. We're so, so, so thankful. We never take your presence for granted. <clears throat> we pray for this nation. We pray for the Christians in this nation. We pray for ourselves. Because we're Christians in the nation. That you would enlighten us all. 
to see the need for humility, the need for gentleness, the need for consideration and kindness. Lord, if there be anything in our lives that's evil or wrong that we've not repented of, point it out to us that we may repent and change. And that we'd all humble ourselves under your mighty hand. You're such a good God. I think about King Manasseh. Such an evil king. The most evil king that Israel ever had. Did terrible things. Things that if I mentioned them here would repulse people. But you, put, you, you caused a, another nation to rise up against him and put a, put a hook in his nose actually and took him off into captivity. And in that place, that evil man repented humbled himself and you restored his kingdom to him. So sir, as we humble ourselves, we trust that that judgment that I've seen on the horizon heading this way can be stayed off. I don't know how much longer it can be stayed, but Make us all more useful for your kingdom. That we all may, to a greater degree, be doers of your word and not hearers only. Glory to God. I'm waiting on the Lord. Glory to God.